Resting on the upward way. New heights I want to gain every day. I'm praying as I am on one bound. Lord, plant our feet on higher ground in the name of Jesus. Lord, lift us up and let us stand by faith on heaven's table land. To a higher plane than we are today. Every day pressing on toward the mark. Our heart has no desire to stay. We are doubts, we are chains, we are fears, arise. We want to live above the world and above the Satan's darts. That song is to scale the utmost height and to catch a gleam of the glory bright in heaven. And as we press on to gain the prize, Lord, may every chain that still holds us headbound Still holds us looking back. Still holds us looking down. Still holds us looking out. Still holds us looking away from Jesus. Be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. May the freedom to press and press to gain the work be our portion this morning in the name of Jesus. May the frontiers, the milestones to press be seen in our lives every day. Pressing. Towards the prize. To gain that upward call. Thank you. Because your power and your mercy. By reason of your word. Impacted by your spirit. Will bring this to come to pass in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. We'll commit ourselves again once more to you. The second half of the year. Everyone here. None missing. May we all be enlisted. May we all be apprehended. May we all be broken loose. May we all be arrested. May we all be laid hold. Qualified to press on to this mark. And receiving the prize thereof. To the glory of your name. In Jesus name we pray. And let everyone say amen. We want to thank God for granting us the grace. Into July. July is already on and running, and as a matter of fact, as at this point in time, the first week of July, second half of the year, is already going, and that's how it goes. But the Lord did not leave us aimless, pointless, hopeless, helpless. By the beginning of the year, he granted us the grace to press and to believe, to have a focus to press towards the mark for a prize, the upward calling in heaven, in Christ Jesus. As we have been going on with that theme, we also believed in, with another goal, we had another mark, physical mark, to press towards the mark of at least a thousand membership registered 
in this year. And the Lord has been gracious unto us. So as we take a check, as we do a review, as we make a recommitment, this half of the year, we look back to see how far have we pressed on or marked time or looked away or perhaps even gone back as it were. And that's why God is bringing back to us to press towards the mark. And of all we do with all we get, press towards the mark. Graciously, as at the end of June, last Sunday, the first half of the year, a mark physically of a thousand membership. He had clocked for us about 982 registered here. Praise the Lord. With that, we have an average attendance of about 650 to 750 every Sunday. More between 700 and 750. Average attendance. So, we can say thus far has the Lord led us. That's a physical mark. But our mark is not just a physical numerical mark. That by half of the year, the Lord has almost helped us meet a thousand membership. But not just membership in number, but membership in strength, in focus, in commitment. Members who are known here and members who are also known in heaven, whom God will say, I know you. And of whom he will also say that I know those who are called by my name. And that's our focus. Because that's the number that will press on and press towards the mark. Anybody who has not been enlisted into the heavenly race and has no name bearing in heaven cannot press anywhere. He will only be a hindrance and he will remain in chains. And we say that will not be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we continue again on this second half of the year, our aim, and as God is leading us, is now more personal. Here we have pressing towards the mark. And we have a crowd pressing. But here God is telling us, I press towards the mark. I as a person. You as a person, no longer a crowd thing, not a chapel thing. God does not know crowds. God knows people by name. And as he had begun speaking this morning, even when we are believing to press, a number are still in chain, chains of various sorts. But you will be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Because of what is it to you, Sunday after Sunday, month after month, you are in church, you are known to attend a particular place of worship, and you are not numbered among those who are known by heaven and also recognized in spirit. Is it not a waste of time? Is it not a waste of resources? Is it not taking God's word in vain? So this morning, just as we press towards the mark again, may everyone here be enlisted in this race as an individual with a personal name to answer in the name of Jesus Christ. We have read our text over and over and over. I read again Philippians chapter 3 from verse 12. Not that I have now attained this ideal, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, to grasp, 
and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Everybody say I press on. I press on again. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. I press towards the mark. I. I. Irrespective of what the person by my right or my left is doing. I as an individual. I have a focus. I have a target. I have where my main effort is. I have an aspiration like we read in this translation. I have one aspiration. I have one main ambition. I have one main thing. I have one main goal. And so in this passage, our brother Paul tells us, of all the people around, and of all that happened around me, now I, Paul, have one goal. I reach forward. I follow after. I press on. We find that in verse 12. We find it in verse 13. We find it in verse 14. I press forward. I, individual, I'm putting in an effort. I'm committed to it. I have committed. This is my one aspiration. This is what drives me forward. I'm actively involved. I'm not marking time. I'm not going back. I do not just know about the mark. Head knowledge. I am pressing towards the mark. On Wednesday, by the grace of God, when we began this year, this second half of the year, 3rd of July, we looked at the mark and we looked at the price. We saw the mark, just like those running there. They have a mark, a finishing line. The mark to brace the tape. And then, when you have braced the tape, especially if you come first, second, third, you have a price. So there's a mark and there is a price. And we told ourselves that the mark just as our brother Paul did say, and goal was to know Christ, to be like Christ, to be found like him, to be all Christ who want us to be, to be the fullness of Christ, to every day grow more and more into his image. As 2 Corinthians 3.18 will say, to be changed from glory to glory. For Christ to be formed completely and more maturely in us. Galatians 4.19. That's the mark. To be able to reach that level of the full stature of the measure of Christ. Growing in knowledge and in his grace and in his likeness and in his nature. Continually, progressively, every day. Until we make heaven the mark. And as we arrive in heaven, there is a reservation. There is a price. There is a reservation that does not fade. That does not change color. 
that does not lose value, that is incorruptible, reserved. Hallelujah. Everybody say reserved. Reserved for you, for me. There is a prize waiting, a crown, which God will not only give to Paul pressing forward, but to every other person who presses like he does. And at the end of time, he had point to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have pressed on. I am convinced that there is a crown, a prize waiting for me. That's the target. That's the goal. That's what Paul has been aiming at. And that's what he asked every one of us who is so minded to join him. If you look forward at verses 15 and 16, he went forward there to say, I press towards the mark. This is my goal. My reward, the honor of my high calling in God in Christ Jesus. All of us who are spiritually minded, all of us who are maturing in Christ, all of us who are spiritual adults should set ourselves this sort of ambition. And if at present you cannot see this, you don't have this focus, yet you will find that this is the attitude which God is leading you to adopt. It is important that we go forward in the light of such truth as we have ourselves attained to. Let your conduct be consistent with pursuing this goal. So Paul says, I press towards the mark, but I don't want to just press alone. I invite as many who knows what it means to see the mark and to win the prize. As many as have come in into the race and are spiritually minded, let them also follow my attitude, my ambition. So that's a godly one that he's now saying, make it your own. Make it a personal ambition. Make it a personal goal. Make it a personal focus. Let it not be a church. We are pressing towards the mark. If anyone reaches there and wins the first prize, he has won for Rollo. He has won for Chapel of His Resurrection. If they also win silver, he has won for us too. If they also happen to win bronze, well, it's good enough at least for us. No. Everyone can win the gold. That's the difference this time. Praise the Lord. Everyone, little, old, young, so much so young, teen, Young people, male, female, educated, not so literate, all can win the prize. That's the difference. And so if all can win the prize, and all can reach the mark, so I press on my own. You to press. Join and personally press towards it. Let's just take a few of the landmarks of the evidences of Paul pressing towards the mark. What were the parameters that we saw in his life, the pointers that we saw him put this statement to work. Not just as a statement of fact, not just saying it over and over, not over the several topics as we have discussed and we still discuss, but personally, you see it in his lifestyle, you see it in him day by day, and you know that he meant what he said. I have a goal, I have a mark to reach unto, I'm not for here. 
I'm not settling for less. I have a prize. I'm looking forward to. So how did he press? How did he commit himself? And when we see this, these are some of the pointers God is assuaging us, persuading us, beckoning on us to also press in like manner so that we can win the mark and get the prize in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul committed his life to Christ. He committed his life to be owned by Christ, pressing towards the mark. He left all before and now had a singular mission, committed his life to be owned by Christ. Paul also committed himself to focus and center only on Christ. Paul committed his life to walk as found in Christ, to a Christian lifestyle. Paul committed himself also to the word of God. It was primary. Paul committed himself to the work of God. Paul committed himself in pressing towards the mark to witnessing, to win souls. These are just some of the highlights of the points in his life that we saw him pressing actively. Because you don't press staying in one place. To press is to push forward firmly strongly, with effort, with every strain of the muscles. I'm sure when you've seen uh, the former world champion, I'm not sure anybody has overtaken him by now, say for the last Olympics, who uh, Usain Bolt, you will see their muscles rippling, sweat dropping, just over a hundred meters. Every effort, every muscle is crying from head to toe. You will see their veins all bulging. Every part of the body is engaged. Paul says, when you see me, there are things you see in my life that shows I am pressing with effort and with a goal. Let's take a look at some of them in more detail. And as we are doing so, God is also challenging you and I. Are these pointers already existent in our lives? If they are, how far? How low? How little? How much? Can you do more to press on in these pointers? Paul committed his life to Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 where we just read, he told us, I want to be able to lay hold on that for which I have been laid hold on by Christ. For which I have been apprehended by Christ. For which I have been arrested by Christ. Paul at a point in time said, Everything that was gained to me, I have decided to count them but lost. Reason, Philippians 3.8, for the excellency of knowing Jesus and winning the prize that is found in knowing him. Verse 8 and verse 9, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is in Christ Jesus by faith. He made a willful decision on his road to Damascus. You may say his own was unique, but your own is unique in your own respect. There has been a way, a point, a time, or a dimension in which God met you as a person. Paul, at that point in time, surrendered. He was arrested. 
He lay off the ambitions. His pointer was to continue on the persecution of Christians. His ambition changed. His goals changed. His direction changed. And his aspiration changed. He surrendered. He submitted. So Paul enlisted. And he told us, now I want to win Christ. I want to know him. I want to grow in his grace. I want to know more of him. I want to continually lay hold on that for which he has laid hold on me. He made a conscious decision, a Sanhedrin, a Jew of the very Jews, a Benjaminite, he who was concerning the law perfect, learned in every manner of the law, he who also was in every way a Pharisee, keeping the law, going to church, registered in a church, found as a Christian, born as a Christian, confirmed, married in the church, whatever your level, Paul at a point found that these were not enough. His zeal was not enough. He had an encounter. He freely gave over and said, Lord, what will you have me do? He surrendered. Have you at this point in time done so? Have you, after this level of work, and worship here, or attending in any other place, surrendered your life to Christ. Does he own you? Does the spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? If you have not that witness, you are not yet his. You are not enlisted. You haven't begun the race. You are just like in the crowd who strayed in into the track race. Anybody who is in the crowd and strays in into the track race, does he gain any prize? What the officials will do is to quickly do what? Apprehend you and take you away. Eleven players on each side are playing on the football field. And suddenly an excited fan runs into the football field. What happens? The game stops and they chase him. He's a foreign element. He's not recognizing that football field. They pick him up. And sometimes they may take him outside the field because he may cause more havoc. That's who you are. In Christian parlance, in spiritual parlance, your name has not been found in heaven. In Luke 10:20, Jesus said, "Don't rejoice that you are found being some works. Don't rejoice that there are things you are known by, maybe in church. Don't rejoice that the angels and the demons are subject to you in the name of Christ. Rejoice that your names are where." Written in heaven. Jesus himself was the one telling them this is the only reason to do what? To rejoice. Is your name written in heaven, sir? Is your name written in heaven, ma? Is your name written in heaven, young person? Is there a witness in your spirit? Because Romans 8, 9, 8 says that whosoever does not have his spirit is none of his. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, learned in law, respectable in society, as some of us and many of us are, Jesus told him, Nicodemus, there is a limit to the things you can know if you have not yet surrendered to Christ, if you have not yet been born again. There's a limit to how far you can go. You can't even join the race, talkless of pressing anywhere. You will only be going forward the more and you will be a hindrance. You are in chains. You haven't been set free first. And Jesus said, 
He who is born of the flesh is flesh. And he who is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised that I emphasize and repeat. You must be born again. Born once as a human flesh. And that's who we all of us are. Born a second time in the spirit. Your spirit is recreated. Your spirit is renewed. Your spirit is regenerated. To now come back and enlist. And be able to start on the starting line. And enroll in the race. Is your name in heaven? Have you enrolled? Does your spirit bear witness that you are a child of God? If it does not, I beg of you this morning. So that we don't waste time. So that you don't waste God's mercy upon you. So you don't waste the resources. As this service is ending, we will make room. Please, surrender your life to Christ. Even if you have tempted doing so before, and you are not so clear. You can't enter a race in which only those who are qualified are to mark there, and you can't be sure. Be sure this morning. Do it again. But let there be a clear evidence that you have willingly surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and asked him, come take over my life. There are some of us who say, look, I've been doing my own thing. I was raised up in a religious family. My father was the archbishop. My brother was the deacon. My uncle was the venerable. All of them are not enough because all your righteousness are like what? Fiddy rags. Paul says now my own righteousness doesn't meet up. I have thrown away my righteousness. The things I was known to do in the eyes of men, they didn't match up. Now I have counted it but loss and I want to win and be found in the righteousness that is by faith. The scripture says all have sinned. And come short of God's glory. You have sinned. You inclusive. Unless you want to make God a liar. If you have sinned and there has been no point you committed your life to Jesus Christ. And said come be my Lord and my Savior. With all your heart. Then you are still outside the starting line. Then your name is yet not anywhere found in heaven. It may be found here. It may be one of the 982 names that has bought the register this year. Thank God for you. But of course you know that this is no mark for heaven. It's not at all. It's a mark for human recognition. But never anywhere near heaven. So this morning, do it again. And as the scripture is saying, and the spirit is saying, if you are in chain, let that bond be broken this morning in the name of Jesus. He said, if the son of man shall set you free, that's when you are free indeed. And if he, knowing the truth, sets you free, nothing can get you bound. So your first step to pressing towards the mark, as Paul committed to be won over by Christ, is to do like him. Commit your life to him. Tell him, I've been going in my own righteousness, but it's not enough. I have sinned, just like you said, like every other person. And on my own merit, I cannot be approved before you. I come, sincerely, with remorse, now recognizing who I am, outside your will, and surrender my life to you. He will accept you. There will be a celebration in heaven on your account this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul committed to focus in Christ Jesus. Paul committed to looking only unto Christ. He says in Hebrews 12, because he, we believe, wrote that uh, book of Hebrews. It's attributed to him. We are looking at how Paul committed, how Paul pressed on. He committed to focus. He said, look, 
Brethren, seeing we are so far encompassed about with such a great cloud of what? Witnesses. Let us lay aside every baggage, every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who had the same goal, mindset, focus, for the joy that was set before him. That's the mark. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He braved the challenges around in the world. And he has received the prize. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne of glory. Praise the Lord. So Paul had a focus only to Christ, looking unto Christ. It was the same Paul who said, Don't you know that those who run a race run so that they may win the prize? So run. So live your life. So everyday press to win the prize. Not just run as if you belong. To be counted among. To be counted a member. When the last general election held, presidential election, how many presidential candidates were there? 73. Out of the 91 to 93 political parties. Out of them, how many of them were you able to count by your fingers and recognize them? Maybe not more than five or six. And then they say they were contenders, and then they were those who were pretenders. And then that those who joined were just to have registered it in their CV. So that when it comes at any point in time, bargaining, contract, or position, they will also say, I also ran. Don't you know I competed with you? I ran too. So that's just what some are contenting. Paul said, no, I have a focus. So run to obtain. So run with a focus. So run like an athlete. Who disciplines his body and removes distraction. I so do, he told himself in 1 Corinthians 9.27. I discipline myself as I'm pressing on I take care. I keep away distractions. I keep away weights. No athlete who is going to run a hundred meter will be preparing to come and come onto the field with what? His best suit. His best pair of shoes. Is that what they come there with? And then they will come with a car, resource control. So that as they run, the wind will be contributing. They will be putting their hand on their head so that the wind won't carry it away. How do they come? They come light. The lightest of the dresses, the lightest of the singlets, the lightest of the short knickers. They do. So that they can go against the wind with their foot. And everyone knows they have disciplined themselves. Paul says, This is my focus. We should not let anything take away our focus from Jesus. Not those who are church leaders, not those who are apostles, not those who have run the faith. He had a focus. He said, my focus is on Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's my focus. That's my standard. That's my example. Don't be distracted. I commit to a focus on Christ, Paul would say, so to say. 
That's my standard. The other day, I think that was last Sunday, we read in one of the papers. They have carried it in the network news two or three Sundays ago about a priest in a mainline church who faked his kidnap and stayed in a hotel for three days and then demanded, cost his accomplice to demand from the church members three million naira ransom money. Then it was last Sunday that they now revealed the denomination. The denomination doesn't really matter, but it's in the paper there. One of the major churches, and then the leaders of the church were saying, we can't have this. The priest faked his own kidnap, stayed in a hotel room for three days, had an accomplice, and then phoned his wife to tell his wife. He had told the wife he was traveling to Elisha. Meanwhile, he was domiciled and serving at Adokiti, the capital of Ekiti State, and told him he had been kidnapped and to tell the church members. And church members, as rich, as not so rich, as indigent, as aware, everybody was in distress, trying to rake up three million naira to contribute for a pastor's release. Paul says, I follow Christ. I don't follow people who have varying standards. I don't follow people who also have made themselves God and maybe say, follow what I have said. I was asking somebody yesterday about a daughter who has changed school. And he said there was a school in which she was before and that uh, a lot of many of the things that have become fetishes were prominent there in secondary school. They were giving them handkerchiefs, water, holy water, and the rest of them that you could note a particular Pentecostal denomination with. And so they were indoctrinating them. Paul says, I have a focus on Christ, not on church, not on denomination, not on a man of God, not on those who compete on who is riding the best jet in the world. And the reason why you must ride a jet to be able to make the kingdom of God prosper well. Not on them. Not on those who change their dresses two or three times a day and compete with the best fashion trend that is around. No. He says, I look unto Christ. And if anyone comes otherwise and preaches any other thing different from this, let him be a cause. He was as bold as that. He had a focus on Christ. But as he also had a focus on Christ, he also challenged us to live off, looking back to the things that we had done before. Lot's wife syndrome, who for worldliness, for the acquisitions that she had in Sodom, could not fathom her salvation. More important, and escape great interest than looking back and becoming a point in history. He also told us to go beyond not only looking unto Christ, but as you do that, you will go beyond Samson syndrome. And Samson syndrome was a man who has started on the line, a man who was anointed of God to do exploits for his generation, but he looked in to the appetites of sexual immorality. And he got sunk in there. He died in the process. Prematurely. Ministry terminated. And Samson was also the type of a Christian. Who though says he was pressing towards the mark. But will just take God for granted. In Judges 16.20. He will say look. Let me get up as usual. It doesn't matter the state of my inner life. It doesn't matter that he was waking up from the laps of who? The prostitute Delilah. He wanted to lap onto the glory of God. He said, let me shake myself as usual. There may be some who may have enlisted. But, as the prophecy say, the chains of worldliness. 
the chains of sexual immorality, pornography. There are phones. There are some who do sexting. There are some who do chatting. There are some who now do abominable things. Young, old, married, single. And there are people who even now talk about open marriage. You are in a relationship. Married, but you are free to relate with any other person. Up to the extent of sleeping with the person in bed. They say this is society. It's changing. It's changing. Is God changing? God the same? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Paul says, we have people who are monsters. Same Philippians 3. Who live now, as I have told you before, as enemies of the cross. He had a reason for saying that. Whose God is their belly? Whose shame is their destruction? Who mind only earthly things? He says, I have a focus. When I hear that, and when I see such association, I look away. He said, look beyond the Gehazi syndrome. Look beyond the syndrome that always seems to acquire acquisition. Gehazi said, let me receive some word. What I have with my master is not enough. I want to get some more. I want to get some benefit. And that's the tendency of many. Look beyond the Aesop syndrome. Who traded away an eternal benefit because of a temporary gain in appetite? Who traded away his birthright because of a muzzle of a porridge of meat? He looked down just to his appetite. Look away and look unto Jesus. Have a focus. And you can have that same boldness as Paul to say, I'm pressing on. I'm not looking away. I'm not looking down. I'm not looking at. I'm not looking back. I'm looking on. And I believe the Lord will grant us the same victory he granted Paul at the end in the name of Jesus. Commit to walk as a Christian as Paul did. Paul came to a point and said, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the love of Christ constrains us. That if anyone dies, then that he has died for all. And so that those who live should no longer live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him who died and who rose again for them. Live borrowed lives. Live clear, consistent Christian life. You don't need rules and regulations. That's what the law brought. Grace came through Jesus Christ. But that grace that is found in Jesus came with responsibility. The grace of God that appears for all men. Which if you accept and get enlisted and be born again and be enrolled. Now he says he gives us the power to do what? Say no to sin. To worldliness. To every form of ungodliness. You have that power. You have that authority. It's an inborn thing by virtue of Jesus being in you. Why? First John 3, 8, 9 says that whosoever is born of God does not make a practice of sin. Does not dwell in sin. Does not have a habit of going back and back to sin. Like a pig goes to ease vomit. Why? He does not live that way anymore because the seed of Christ is in him. And that seed is holy. And that seed is righteous. And that seed is imputed unto us. 
So as you yield unto him the more and listen to the spirit, your life takes on a bearing that is more and more like him. And the life of sin, the life of duplicity, the life of deception, the life that easily tells lies, small lies, white lies, big lies. Somebody calls you on the phone, he says, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. One hour, you are still coming. One and a half hours, you are still coming. And maybe you are coming from new markets. What type of lie is that now? But we do it without knowing. We just join the world. You speak all kinds of half-truths and men-truths. Paul says no. Me, Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, 11. He says, Timothy, you have known my manner of life. You have known how I live. You have known intimately both what I have thought and how I have lived. My purpose, my faith are no secrets to you. You have known my integrity. You have known my faith. You have known my endurance. The last time is open before you. My purpose, my faith, my long suffering. You have known me. I don't talk from both sides of the mouth. I don't say one thing outside and I'm leaving another one inside. I don't behave like a holy wage outside and inside my house I'm a ravenous wolf. He who is to be feared. She whose words cannot be matched. No, I am consistent with walking as a Christian. You know my manner of life. You can attest to it. It's in the public domain as it is before you. So have I also made sure in Acts 24.16 to live a life. I have trained myself to have a conscience that is void of offense towards God and towards man. So not just outwardly, but inwardly too. I train myself. I make effort to make my heart open, clear, transparent. So that as I am inwardly, I am outwardly. Paul committed to that work as a Christian. Are you? How far? How much? Has that been seen in you? This was part of his pressing towards the mark. He could use it in now admonishing Timothy, the new bishop in Ephesus. He could flash it as an example. He said, our lives have been written as an epistle before you. You can read us openly and you can take the same measure. How far has he been with you? God is talking about chains of worldliness, chains of immorality, chains of hidden sins. How can you be doing that? To him who sees in the secret and sees in the open. And people die any and anyhow. Even if it's not for the dead. Paul says, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Live clean. Live blank. Live true. And live clear. For the sake of pressing towards the mark. Paul committed to the word of God. That was his main tool. Of the 27 epistles in the New Testament, more than half of them were written by who? Paul. He wrote 14 of them agreeably, including possibly Romans and Hebrew, which have no known admitted author. But they are due to him because of the language of rendition there. So that was his main tool. He said, when I come before you, I decide not to know anything but the word of Christ. I decide not to know anybody but the word of Christ. And he not only did say that, when he was talking to the Ephesian elders, in Ephesians chapter 24, 32, 
He said, I commit you unto God and the word of his grace, which is able to do what? Keep you pressing forward. That's what is able to sustain you. And he now told us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16, 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. Are you pressing on to be more like Christ in righteousness? The scripture will offer you that. Are you training to right a wrong? The scripture will offer you that. Are you training to grow more in him? He says in verse 17, that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Complete, equipped for every good work. God's currency for working, for living, for you, is his word. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of God will lift up what? A standard. The standard that the spirit uses when temptations come, just like our Lord Jesus Christ, is the standard of the word of God. It flashes it to you. If you don't know the word, then how do you overcome? Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not do what? Sin against you. Sin against you. Your word occupies my heart. Sin goes out. Worldliness goes out. And Paul says, study to show yourself approved. That's what he committed to. That's what kept him mature. That's what took him beyond most of the other apostles. And he used it even in writing and bringing up others. And we tell us in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that as we read the scripture and open ourselves to him more and more, we will be changed from glory to glory, from one image unto the other. What do you press to do with scripture, with the word of God? Where is your base? Where do you get your ideas, your decisions? Where do you get your landmarks? Where do you get the compass for living today? Where do you get the secret for your business success? Where do you get the armor for your academic work? Where do you get the sustenance and the hustle and bustle of life? In the word of God. How is it with you? Paul committed to it totally. He did. Sold out to it. How is it with you, my dear? How much time do you have for the world? And many of the times when you even read the word, five minutes after you've forgotten the passage you read, you fulfilled all righteousness. Look at Psalm 1. I'm reading Amplified Version. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is a man who walk and live not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, following their plans, following their purposes. Maybe you look to weather forecast. You look to economic forecast. You look to stop broken, to decide their business interests. You say there is a better place to do that. Blessed is also the man who does not stand, who does not stand submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. You are just a passerby. You are just a spectator. You take in the words. You take them from social media. You take them from internet. You take them from others. But where you ought to get the source, you do not. You see, they stand inactive. Submissive, gulping them in. Blessed is also the man who, 
does not walk in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. They tell you this world is archaic. This world is not relevant for this time. This world is outdated. In short, now, those who do revisionist theology, because that's the age in which we live now, the age of relativism, nothing is absolutely right or wrong. Whatever is right in your own eye, do it. Whatever is wrong in your own eye, that's the issue. If you are in your house killing yourself and your neighbor hears you and it is right in your own eye, take your life. Does it surprise you that over the last six months there have been more than 42 suicide cases in Nigeria? Those reported in the press, majorly among young people. Somebody failed jam. He took sniper and drank. Somebody could not make his final year list at Onsuka. He also took sniper and died. Sometime, just not too long ago, a medical student also attempted suicide. So, as you hear them, they condition your mind. They say, blessed is the man who does not take guidance and direction from this. But in every aspect of life, verse 2, but he delights and desires are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, his precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies day by day. By day and by night. Verse 3. He shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water. And he will regularly bring forth fruit in each season. The leaf also shall not fade or wither. And everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Paul committed to the world. Paul took the world for everything. Paul told the Ephesian elders, he says, I have not shown from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. All that is profitable. How much of the world is in you? For many of us, we are pressing towards the mark. The level of the world in our life is decreasing. I know that with age, our memory begins to fade. Apologies for that. It's allowed. But for many others, for lack of exercise, for lack of constant use, for now comparing the world to what you see and hinging your faith on them, the level, the content, the much of the word of God in you has diminished. Paul committed in pressing on. And I know that the more you read and meditate on the word and make it more and more, they tell us, the theologians, that the spirit of the word of God breaks out. The logos, the written word, will suddenly shine a light in your heart and become what? The rhema, revealed, God's command. And it's as real as if God was speaking to you live and clear. You can hang on that word. It has made many go mileages in every area of life. Paul committed to the word. How much you, how less you. Many of us say we have our phone, but you can bet with me that your phone is a deceit when it comes to the word. I hope nobody comes to the church with a phone. Some have been coming before. Because you call the place, and as you are reading Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired of God. A message comes in green, and you are tempted to look at the message. 
Maybe the message now tells you fire is raging somewhere in Ijegun where a tanker has overturned. Their mind is already switched off. Maybe another one, if you're on WhatsApp or on Facebook, screams in and there's a picture there. So, if you want to get on the Word of God, I didn't say you shouldn't read the Word of God in your phones. Read them when you're in the offices. Read them when you're waiting on the line. Read them when you're on queues. Use them to keep busy as it were. But not as a thing of study. Get your Word. Get the Bible. And read through it and study. And let the Word of God richly dwell in you in all wisdom. So when you speak gracious words, words that they defy, they will come out. Because out of the abundance of the heart and the things stored in, the mouth will speak. The action will show forth. You are as mature as the level of the word of God in you. You are as grown or still infantile as the level of the word of God in you. So Paul says, let the word of God well richly for many of us, the word of God is dwelling miserly. It's not even dwelling. Dwelling means living, abiding. The word of God is visiting you. He visits you and goes. You get excited. You take that word. And then because it has no root, it disappears again. Can we commit to the word as we press towards the mark in the name of Jesus Christ? Paul committed to walking for Christ. He not only committed to be won by Christ. He committed to a focus on Christ. He also committed now to a walk in Christ and committed to the word of God. He committed to walk, W-O-R-K, for Christ. Paul knew that the reason when you enlist on the line in a track, what are you there on the line to do? To run a race, is that not so? Do you enlist on the line to watch those who will be running? Is that what you enlist on the line to do? Never. When you go to the bank, what are you there to do? To transact, either to deposit or to withdraw. When you go there and say, nah, eh, do you see the match between Nigeria and Cameroon yesterday? And you are talking at the tip of your voice. Do you see it? Ah! You see how you got those? Scored one, scored two. Eh? What would they do? They will quickly come and do what? Whisk you out. That's not the purpose of going there to the bank. When you go to the market, what do you go there to do? You go there to buy or sell. If you go there and start displaying fashion, market people know how to make a jest of you. In short, they will leave all their sense. See, look at him. He's on one foot foot. One foot shoe. He will soon fall. And they will start clapping for you. Paul says, the reason why you enlist is to walk. The reason why we are left behind here when you got born again is to do what? To walk. No man is engaged in pressing towards the mark who stays idle. No. Jesus never engaged people who were idle. If you find your life and you find no challenge, you find nothing being for God, you find yourself continually as it were each day and each time. Idle. Nothing challenging for God. You're wasting time. You're wasting resources. What you're saying indirectly is, Lord, come and take me. I'm ready to come home. Because that's what Elijah said when the work was finished. Come and take me. I'm ready to come home. And so in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, he gives us a sample. And say the reason why we were saved, the reason why you were enlisted, is not to be a commentator. 
It's not to wear dresses every Sunday and change them and come to church. It's not once in a while to have a period of excitement and say we've had revival. It's not to compare your church with another. There's a reason. He said, when he apprehends you, saves you, he asks you to go on to work. I'll read Amplified Version of Ephesians 2.10. And if anybody has Message Bible, please read it after I have read in the Amplified Version. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God had already planned beforehand for us, taking part where he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Message Bible? Message Bible. I'll read it in the form in which you see it. Listen to this. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus, to join him in the work he does. To join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work as we had better be doing. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Received mercy, released from him, set free, born again. Unto good works. What is your good work, my dear? What is your ministry? What is your assignment for God? What are you doing that heaven takes note that you are involved in doing? Acts 20, 24. New English Bible. I set no store by my life. I only want to finish the race. And complete the task which the Lord Jesus assigned to me. For life is worth nothing. That's what King James would say. Except I use it for doing the work of God and to finish it. The gospel of testifying of the mercy of the generosity of Christ. What is your assignment? What is your work? Paul says that is what my life is up to. And in Philippians 3.13, it says, I'm reaching forward. I've forgotten the things that have gone behind. I'm going forward for more works, for more exploits, for more lands. I'm reaching forward. What are you known for? What are you committed to doing for God? First Peter 4.10 says, each of us has received a gift. There is an area where God has given you what you may call comparative advantage. Young or old, stay there. Use it. Start small. Start in the house of God. Start in the church, teen church, you church. Start there. Use it. Singing, drama, comfort, works of mercy, administration. There is an area where God has given you to build the church of God. Ephesians 4 says, for the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. Where is your own? What are you committed to? Paul says my life is worth nothing except I use it for doing the course and to finish the task and to Archippus. The same Paul says, Archippus, see me. I am on my own powerful. Archippus, take heed. 
attend unto the duty entrusted to you in the Lord's service. Attend to it. Don't let it go follow. And discharge it. Take heed to the work, to the ministry committed unto you in the service of the Lord and do what? Fulfill it. Where are you fulfilling now? What are you doing now? The more you sit and mark time, the emptier you get. The man who gets doing and going for God will get better with time. That's the spiritual principle of working. Don't say I can do nothing. We have heard in revival, two old women, 80 and above, in a village. And when everybody was praying and doing all other things, believing God, the old lady said, we can do nothing. Arthritis has caught up on us. Our legs can't move as fast as it used to before. So what can we do? We must do something for which God has kept us alive. We can pray. Arthritis and arthritis. We can pray where we are. And the two old ladies began and took to praying, interceding, praying, praying for their church, praying for the pastor, praying. And in less than no time, God told them there will be a revival in this place. And the old ladies came to the pastor. Their church was smallish, a village church. And they say, Pastor, God says there will be a revival here. Build more chairs. Build more benches. This church will be filled. Pastor said, for years we have been here and we have always managed this way. But nevertheless, let me see. He built. And in less than no time, a revival hit the town. People gave their lives to Christ. Holiness returned. Impunity drove away. Because two old ladies found their work in the house of God. What are you doing to fulfill and make sure that you are alive? The moment you are doing nothing, you are telling God, this is the platform. I have bought the ticket to board. Board and come home. That's what it means. My life is not worth doing anything. The little I could do, I have finished it. And that's why there is no retirement in service of God. Abraham was enlisted at 75 years of age. Caleb at 85 years said, look, 40 years old was I when I got the mandate. 45 years later, I am still as strong as I was. Give me this mountain. Where is your own mountain, my dear? Where is your own work? Young people, where is your challenge? Paul committed to the work of God. He said, that's what we are created for. That's the reason why you are still alive. That's the reason to press toward. When the prize is given, there will also be a crown of righteousness. There will also be a crown of life for those who have worked. There will also be a reward in that regard. Where is your own? And finally, he committed to witnessing, to winning souls, right, left, and center. He committed to it. That was what pressed him most. That was what he pressed on to most. He founded more churches than any other. He told them, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And yet the grace of God bestowed on me, like many of you, was not in vain. I labored more than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God. As you walk, the grace of God is elastic enough to keep with you. It not only keeps you from sinning, it also keeps you in the path of godliness, soberness, and acts and works of righteousness. Paul said the grace of God has been much on me. I walk because I saw my master walk. And so he wants souls. In First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed. Woe is me if I preach not 
the gospel. Necessity is what? Laid on me. That's how I was laid hold of. In Romans 1.16, it said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew and the Gentile. That's the only thing that the Spirit of God used to convict and convert a soul. Not words, not philosophy, not tradition. I am not ashamed of them. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, look, we do not preach ourselves. We preach Christ and Him crucified. That's our goal. That's our attention. That's what we are here for. That's what the church is for. That's why our only and main activity as a church is to win souls, whether they are here in the world or in the vicinity or in the hinterland. That's the purpose why Jesus came. In Matthew 18, 11, he said, For the Son of Man is come to save the lost. You shall call his name Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. That's God's heartbeat. God so loved you and I, and every other person, that he gave who? His only begotten son, that whosoever believes will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Paul says, I'm sold out to it. As I praise to what? This is my greatest evidence. I'm ready to go to the areas where the gospel have not been preached. I'm not only ready to live, I'm ready to die in Jerusalem. If so, that the gospel will also be completed and my ministry fulfilled. That's Paul's heartbeat. How many have you won? What are you committed to? What are you pressing toward the mark with? Do you have any account? Do you have any account? Do you have any account? I ask that question for emphasis. Some of you are already thinking of the money in the bank. Passbook. Current account. Dollar. Euro. Some are also thinking of pounds. What about spiritual account? Is there any soul in your account? Half of the year? Is there any soul in your account? Is there anything that heaven will see as an evidence that you have been kept alive for half the year? Jesus said, I have chosen you and ordained you not to sit down, not to want it, but to go and bear fruit. And your fruit will also do what? Remain. And in this wise, ask my father, when you've done this, ask my father anything you will, and it will be done for you. Go! Matthew 28, 18. When we quote law and with you always, it is always in the context of going. When you go preaching the word, I am with you. I am with you. Not just when you are on the bed of sin. Not on the bed of compromise. Not on the bed of worldliness. No. I am with you. Lo, all power is given unto me. To convict and to convince. Open your mouth. Look around. The harvest is right. Paul says, this is my greatest enterprise. I want to win as many of the trophies as possible and take them alongside. He told the Corinthians, the Colossian Christians, Colossians 2, 19, 20, 21, what is my joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Is it not you who we have won over in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? Where is your own crown, friend? Where is your own account? Young person, what of your classmates? What of your roommates? What of your street mates? What of your friends? Why is he your friend when he's not of the same nature as you? Show me your friend and I will tell you who you really are. So what have you committed to? Older people, busy, 
busy for the things that will end here, and yet you account for what matters in heaven. The only occasion in which heaven throws a birthday party, a celebration. The Bible tells us in Luke 15, that for every sinner that repents, the angels in heaven, they rejoice. Buy a new car. Buy the latest in town. Buy a Prado. Buy a Rolls Royce. They take notes. Build a mansion as if you will never get to heaven. And God is helping many of us do quite a number of that. They take notes. They don't rejoice. Give birth to a new baby. Get married. Many of the good things in life, they take notes. God's blessings. They can come on the Christians and they can also come on the unbelievers. But that which makes heaven rejoice on your account are the souls that come through. Has heaven ever rejoiced on your account these many years you have lived? Has heaven rejoiced on your account this year at all? You have enriched in many other things. You've advanced. You've passed exam. You've been promoted. You bought a new car. You've gained some new clothing, as it were. You've moved to a new house. Thank God for them. Is there any soul in your account? Paul says this is a primary purpose. This primary purpose. And I pursue it. And as I press towards the mark, I go with the souls. I go with the trophies that I have also been enabled to win. May that be your engagement if you have not yet engaged in the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, as you press this way, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I ran. And I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have not looked back. I didn't look away. I looked unto Christ. I kept the Christian work. I have finished my task. I pray you can do that in Jesus' name. It is possible to so do. Jesus did. Paul did. You and I have the opportunity to do. That's why God is speaking to us this way. Let it happen with you. And he says there is a crown of righteousness which God will give. Not only to those, not only to me, but to everyone who will press this way. Who will live rightly. May that crown, may that prize not elude you in the name of Jesus. But may the motivation, may the aspiration, may the single-mindedness of pressing towards the mark as evidence by what you are committed to and by what you are known for also be made manifest in Jesus' name. Shall we bow our heads to prayer? What are you known for? What work are you committed to? What are you doing now? What also have you won for the Lord Jesus? Is your account empty? Is it that the gospel cannot save? Is it that you are disobedient? Is it that you are shy? Is it that you don't think it's important? Is it that you don't think God meant it? If Jesus paid with his life for you, how much more wicked would it be to withhold that from another? Can you begin to tell God, I will press towards the mark. I will commit to witnessing, to winning souls, to the work you've given me. If you don't know the work, ask God. Ask him in prayer. But you can't mark time. You can't look back. You can't dwell where others are. You can't remain on the valley when others are going on the plain. You may say you're on the plane, but you have no evidence. Nothing in your life is showing where you're pressing towards. But that will change as you speak to God and receive of him grace and mercy. But are you here and you have not entrusted your life, committed your life right from the beginning to him? 
as this message was going on, it came clear to you that you have not yet surrendered to Jesus. Because there is no witness of the Spirit. All you are hearing is your own mind. There is no conviction. There is no witness that you belong to God. You have not yet had any change. No real encounter. And so you are on a high risk. And God has also spoken. But you are also involved in chains. You haven't started. You are gaining mileage in many areas of life. But in the things of the kingdom. Heaven does not know you. And that will end now. You want to tell him Lord Jesus. Young person. Older person. Papa. Mama. How long you been in church. Committee member. You want to tell him Lord Jesus. I'm a sinner. I want your mercy. And I want my name to be written in heaven. And I want to have a witness that I'm your own. I want the forgiveness that you give. I can no longer go on assumption on many other CVs. Paul said I threw them away when I found the excellency of knowing Jesus. That can be yours this morning. And God can call you his son, his daughter. And you can call him Abba Father. Do you want to surrender your life to Christ? Do you want to have a witness in your spirit that you belong to him? Do you want the life of sin, praying on your own, the chain that has kept you to be broken free? Because he, Jesus, is the only one who can set you free. If that's your desire, wherever you are, please raise your hand where you are. All heads bowed, we are praying, our eyes closed. Thank God for you. Any other hand? This is not just a gimmick for speaking's sake. You haven't enlisted. And God has said you are wasting time and wasting life and resources. I want to be sure. I want to have the witness in my heart that I'm a child of God. I haven't been sure, but I want to commit to him. Today, consciously, willingly, and live above sin, and live above the world, and live above Satan's that. Please raise your hand where you are, so we can pray with you. And then you can enlist, and heaven will take note of you. Your name can be written in heaven. And that will be the starting line. Unto thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender, surrender. I surrender, I surrender. If you are in doubt, if you are still in dissipation, please raise your hand. Let's pray together with you. We do not make a secret of it. Let those chains be broken. Father, we surrender ourselves. We surrender our hearts to you. Eternal King in glory. As many as have recognized that they have been bound in chains. Lord, by the blood of Jesus, by that blood shed for us, which has been presented and satisfies you, let there be the breaking of every such chain in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, out of your love you have warned again and again. Lord, that everyone will take it with every seriousness for the next level will be a public exposure if the individuals fail to repent but we give you thanks and praise 
because we believe better things concerning us, and that is why you have spoken thus. Lord Almighty, we ask that by your power, our focus will not be on worldly things, making marks on worldly, worldly issues. The Father, that our focus will be on being instruments, instruments to bring souls to your kingdom, instruments in the various tasks you have assigned us as those who plant, as those who water, instruments, O oh God, in every area of your kingdom, and being those whom your Spirit brings the life of Christ upon, and being specimens of the kingdom. Father, thank you for your Son, through whom you have brought this message. Let your refreshing, refilling, mighty strengthening be upon him, and every facet of this word be fully alive and fruitful in him and all his own, in the name of the Lord Jesus. To you belong all praise and power. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to stay. We are for